0: Hey, it's X. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Jr. from Jr. Sportbri. Hey, this is Jeff Jarrett, the King of the Mountain. Hey, what's up? I'm Stephanie Santiago. Bobby Hart, New York Giants. He's here with celebrity wardrobe stylist Chantania of Me, and you are listening to the Radio. I love it. I love it. Watch out. Watch out. You're now listening to Scooby Radio. Everybody please turn up the stereo. Tell a friend to tell a friend to let their family know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scoop about to take the glow. Man yeah, we're about to blow. Yeah. Five, four, three, we on the air. I know they going to love this one, I swear. He what you needed, what you want to He's the man with the plan. Uh, you need to he got the scoop, he got the trophy, man, he out. He rang the bell, you know it's better in the field. They get a now you know. yeah. Now listen to Scoop Radio. Everybody please turn up the stereo. Tell a friend to tell a friend and let their family know. Yeah, 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 Scoop about to take the glow. Manny, yeah, we're about to blow, yeah. Scoop B. He's 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 on his Instagram now. At follow at him. E. At Scoop B. Follow him. Yes, sir. Scoopy radio. radio. In your airwaves. On the plane. On the train. Everywhere you need to be. I am Brendan Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at ScoopB, Mr. Remisner at the Scoop underscore B. And make sure most importantly that you subscribe to the Scoop B radio podcast, which is available on all streaming platforms at the podcast, Google Play, TuneIn App, Stitch App, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or simply by visiting ScoopBRadio.com. 2.1 million streams last year and one of the reasons why is because we have tons of legends on, and I'm so happy. It's next week. Uh, we have a guy who kind of dovetails the Nets days, the Bulls days, and even Major League Baseball. It's none other, none other, pardon me, than Scott Burrell, who is currently uh, the head coach at Southern Connecticut State University and an NBA champion. Scott, welcome to Scoopy Radio.
1: <laughs> babe, thank you very much. I'm happy to be here.
0: We've been only trying to get this done for like four years. I know, I know. <laughs> we, did it, we did it like thirty-five <laughs> years ago, but now we're back at it again. For sure, it's not. It was an honor. The, the, the last time that we, we actually had the pleasure of sitting down and talking, you were much younger.
1: I was much younger. You were a yes. and I was a Nets reporter. Yes, yes. It was a long time ago. Long, long. a little more hair, and uh, I was a little skinnier.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Scott, I, I want to get started. I want to go in reverse. Um,
0: first and foremost, um, you are an NBA champion uh, yeah. with the Chicago Bulls. And Sunday begins mm-hmm. the series of The Last Dance which mm-hmm. is the Chicago Bulls' uh, last championship won in 95. Yeah. And the birdie tells me
1: that you can't guard Judge Bushler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think everybody saw that part of the video, the, the trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was probably, I think, the first day of practice and MJ started his uh his torment of me going at me from the first day of practice, yeah I've had people
0: come on the pod and tell me anything from Michael is the devil in practice <laughs> Michael Horace said that yeah. um, Michael makes you better uh, in a day and age where everyone is fascinated uh with what Michael was like in a digital era that didn't quite exist yet, but people had the chance to see Kobe what is the biggest misconception that people have about Michael,
1: as far as his competitiveness and even his sarcasm? You know, I don't think they know the truth of it until they see this this documentary. So I, I don't. They might think he's competitive, but they don't know to what extent and how competitive he is until they see this video, this movie. Um, it's 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 at another level, Scooby and it's, it, I take it as a, a way to motivate the people to get better, and that's what I, I the way I took it as, and I mean, people might think it's belittling or 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 too hard on people. I took it as a way to learn from the best, learn to, uh, from the best team in the NBA, and learn, learn from the best coaching staff. To help. and I had to do my part to be to be great to help that team win.
0: You played with anyone You won a national championship with, UConn, with, with Ray Allen. Um, you? kinda with Lute Um You you've you've competed with Michael, or well, you played against him. He's also been on his team. Um, mm-hmm. What is one thing that you learned about him on playing with him on the team
1: versus playing against him previously in your NBA career? A couple of things. I mean, one thing is how hard he works. Um, I mean, he's in the weight room every morning. Um, competes in practice. Never takes a day off. Uh, those are things I learned from day one. Uh, and 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 he's never satisfied of, of being where he is. He always wanted to get better every day on the court. And he wanted you to get better every day to make his job easier, to make uh, us as a team better, to to be prepared for any situation.
0: You uh, recently had a virtual happy hour. Um, yeah,
1: yes. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: uh, to yeah. bring some blast and talk basketball and relate. Um, yeah. What spurred this on and how
1: was the result? It was, it was an unbelievable event. I mean, it got put on Good Morning America. That's how big it got. I mean, there was like 60 people on it. Um, there's about 20 media, um, outlets. Uh, my friend of mine that works for, uh, Haddad and, 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 and partner, uh, out of, out of Fairfield, Connecticut. They, mm-hmm. uh, my, my friend Cindy Carisquela, she was a, a manager at UConn with me when I played there. Um, uh, so she asked, she works for that company in HR or, or public relations, excuse me. And she said, would you come on and help, you know, cheer up everybody and just be a, uh, a, um, a celebrity, guest celebrity for, happy hour? I'm like, sure. Um, it'd be good motivational. It'd be good get people off the, you know, the issues that are going on that we have right now. Um, and, and have people laugh. So I said, yeah, I'll do it. And it ended up being followed by a lot of people. It was an awesome time. We played beer pong. Um, my team won. Um, uh, and, uh, we just had fun. They stayed on. I was on for like two hours. They stayed on to like 1030 at night. So they stayed on for like six hours after I got off. So, but then, then I did it this Thursday and I got Brian McKnight to come on. Stop playing. Yeah, and Brian sang to, to, to the group, and it was it was an awesome event. Awesome event. What did Brian sing? He, one of his new songs from his new album. And there was a girl, a young lady who, who works for the company, the same company, who was supposed to get married in August, but obviously with everything that's going on right now, Man. that might not happen. So he sang one of his new songs that he dedicated to his wife, his new wife right now, and he sang it to her for uh, to try to cheer her up. And she loved it. Scott Burrell
0: on the line with Scoopy Radio, the 20th overall pick in the 1993 NBA draft. Um, I've always wondered this, and I think it was one question that I actually did not quantify or ask you uh, mm-hmm. when you were net. and I'll ask it now. Um, you were drafted, uh, and you were a great pitcher. Uh, you drafted by the Seattle Mariners during your senior year of college. Um, and the Mariners, from your wiki pages has wanted to develop you as a pitcher and suggested that you bypass college from the minor league. Mm-hmm. However, you want to attend college and make plans to play baseball at the University of Florida before UConn uh, coach mm-hmm. D- Howie dick uh convinced you to play basketball for the Huskies. Yep. First question, do you regret not sticking with baseball?
1: No, I don't regret it. I mean, I, mean, I would like to see how far I could have gotten, but I enjoyed everything that happened in basketball, what I've learned from it, what I've gotten out of it, um, the friendships I've built, the competitiveness uh, that I played at and the people I played against, the the place that has taken me, it's taken me to almost every continent in this country. To, um, and that's because of the game of basketball. So I have no regrets playing that. You played for the Nets
0: at a time where they were still in the swamps of East Rutherford, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys had Kendall Gill, Stephon mm-hmm. Marbury. Uh, I think Don Casey was the head coach by the time we yep. got there. Yep. Um, you had some other guys, Jim McElveen, uh, Henson, Jason Williams, Jason Williams. Yep.
1: um, what do you finally remember about those days in the New Jersey Swamp? Uh, we were just, you know, we were close to being really good. Uh, we were just young. I mean, we had Keith Van Horn, Stephon Marbury. Um, our starting five was was really young, and I think if you know they just got some more pieces and let us grow together, we could have been good. Um, it just I think uh they just didn't give enough t- time for that team to grow and and learn how to compete together. What was the biggest adjustment for you playing with the Bulls and then going to New Jersey playing for the Nets? Um. I would say the motivation to be great every night, every day. Uh, I I think playing with Chicago, there's no days off. It's, it's be at your best and compete every time you step on the court. Be at your best mentally, um, knowing our plays, knowing our schemes on defense and just being able to compete at, at the highest level every day and, uh, and hopefully carry it over to the game. When you play for the Bulls, um, you guys had a mix of
0: uh, Michael, Scotty, Dennis, Phil Jackson, um, Tony
1: Kukoc. I mean, Tony Kukoc. Yeah, it was, a, it was a really talented team. Yeah. Luke Longley, Ron Harper, yeah. <clears throat> yourself. Um, what was it like in a day in the life of being around Dennis Rodman? <laughs> it was, you know, it was it was practice. It. I mean, he was so competitive in practice. It was just he would disappear once a week, I think, or once every couple of days or a week. So I mean, that's what was the only thing different about Dennis. But Dennis was such a, a, a great player. He he watched so much film. Um, he took care of his body. He lifted weights before games. I mean, he was so dedicated to to being a great player. I I just think it's to watch him go to work, not try and not even try to look to score, but still dominate the game defensively and off, and 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 rebounding. It was amazing someone could do that without trying to score. Um, and his, his knowledge of the game, his IQ was unbelievable. Who in today's NBA is the modern-day Dennis Rodman? No one, because no, nobody – scoring is everything to these guys, and Dennis didn't even want to score. So I would say there's really no one like that. You and, no you one talk- can, and no one can get 30 rebounds and 25 rebounds and 20 rebounds a game. Well, what? Well – Well, it's different because they rebound, they let guys get rebounds. So um, you had to go get, you had to go get rebounds back then. Scott, help me understand something. I remember Dennis used to agitate
0: the hell out of Carmelo in the finals. Oh yeah. In 97 and 98. Yeah.
1: Do you remember stuff? Did you like hear stuff that Dennis said to, to Carmelo? No, I I just know Dennis always did something to get under people's skin. But it was a great tactic. He got guys off their games. He got them sinking. I remember what he did to Frank Burkowski. I wasn't playing with the Bulls at the time. But mm-hmm. I don't know what he did to Frank Burkowski against Seattle. Got him thrown out the game a few times. I mean, he was always an agitator. He was great at his craft. And uh, he played mental games with a lot of people. When you look at the Bulls
0: from then, um, to me, I watched and I was – in my pre-teens, but I just was always marveling at Tony Cool and his skill set. Even going back to the Olympics, oh, yeah. he was a guy that was a primary ball handler. Yeah. Um, and I look at Scottie Pippen, same thing. Those were the point forwards before you know Jalen Rose and you know even Jamal Mashman. I know they they kind of dovetailed during you guys' you know you guys's reign. Um, where do you find that Cool Coach and Pippen? meshed well because there was often times that people thought they didn't get along or felt that, you know, they they canceled each other out. How did you find that they balanced each other out when they were on the court at the same time?
1: Well, they're both great offensive players and they're both unself. And uh, you know, at Tony being six ten, Scotty being six eight, six nine. I mean they're big long scores. I mean I, I don't think they they didn't clash at all. I mean they knew they needed each other to be great. Um I don't think there's any egos on the team back then i think everybody knew you better do your job you better do it to best of your ability <clears throat> and that's what made us win games um as i say tony was tony liked offense more than defense but that's fine i mean his job was a score
0: you were a proficient or prolific scorer um when i look at today's game um if you can't shoot you ain't playing mm-hmm. um do you ever feel you were born in the wrong era? Like the Warriors would eat, would, would probably sign a version of you today. Um, oh, yeah. Do you ever look at TV and, and, and not necessarily envy, but like, man,
1: what if? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I would fit better with this game now, being open and being uh, a three point shooter that I was. I, I think, um, and, and, and they let them go, no matter who's shooting. They could be a bad shooter, a good shooter, they're still letting them go in this day and age. Um, I definitely would have had, uh, had better stats if I played in this day and age. But uh, I'm, I'm definitely happy to win when I played. I mean, I love the NBA when I played. It's, it's um, I don't know if it's the same NBA. As it, it's totally different, I would say, than it is now. And I would rather play in the era when I played than now. Help me understand something. But, but now, if we want to talk about the cash wise, the cash wise <laughs> today today is a little bit better than back in the day. <laughs> yeah, because Michael was underpaid when he played. And they used to say that all the time. Yeah, 100% true. 100% he was underpaid. Oh, yeah. I mean, back then, he was, like, not even one of the highest paid on the Bulls until he signed those two, two big deals at the end of his career.
0: hmm
1: <clears throat> Wasn't he making, like, $30 million a year? The last two years of yeah of his contract. Of his career, I think he made thirty six, But that's average. That's, like, what guys make now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When... Again, I was a kid, and I want clarity on this because I couldn't ask these questions, and I'm curious now.
0: When the media said that this was you guys' last year, mm-hmm. um, it reminds me so much of this past summer where Kevin Durant it was just assumed or just believed that he was not returning to the Golden State Warriors. I, I've made that parallel, but yeah. I have a little bit more background information because I'm in it deeper and because I just know what I know. Yeah. Comparatively, when you look at the Bulls, how was it decided that this was you guys' last year? How was it assumed? What was going on that you just knew that this was the last
1: hurrah? I think the front office and some of the players just – it got too too much. I think guys didn't get along from front office to um, some of the players, uh, so maybe coaching staff. So little by little it was deteriorating. Um, but, and, and and the guys were getting older. So I think um, they, they knew it was going to be the last chance to be together. And uh, that's why the, the media came in and filmed everything for, for this documentary, the last damn documentary. Did you guys
0: have conversation about the lockout, like you guys knew that was coming too? Did that play a part in it?
1: Um. Well, the lockout was – you know what? The following that year season? After. Yeah, that that was the last season before the lockout, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, no, we never even talked about that. So, I mean, like I said, it was straight business about being great every day so on the court. And that season, there was nothing. no talk about – Uh, seasons after that.
0: What were the Bulls like in downtown? Like, did you guys actually, like, hang out with
1: each other, play video games, go to each other's houses? Like, what was was it? No? No, No. No, no, nobody. I mean, nobody really hung out. I mean, every now and then you go eat dinner with one of the guys, but not much, because everybody lived so far from downtown. Right. Um, Everybody had families. So it's like, and I I would say no. I, I would say cars on the plane is uh, as the most we probably hung out or you know maybe if we went on the road you go out to dinner but that's about mm-hmm. it but no one went to each other's houses I, I don't think I, I only maybe a couple times but not often like you know so on downtime I think guys like to spend time with them their families Tex Winter is one of the
0: biggest characters um that I've heard stories about with the Bulls um, Will mm-hmm. Perdue uh, told me a story uh one time he said that Will Perdue he said that Tex Winner would open his mail on the plane and so one day uh will said to Tex, bro what are you doing he goes i'm filling out publishers clearinghouse because i'm trying to win
1: <laughs> that's awesome that's what awesome. was Tex weather like for you a perfectionist um he worried about footwork every day uh worried about spacing every day the important spacing um offensively um but it, it was a culture that was built by and. Know, taught by phil and carried through, uh and and you know carried over by michael and Scotty and those guys you you had to do your part and the spacing in the triangle offense was was key you were too close, you couldn't make the right reads the right cuts so i mean everybody was a text um i think it was a like he started the triangle offense, but he was also the, the the one that everyone listened to for details of being great in the offense Scott, how difficult was it for you to adjust to the triangle offense in the beginning? I think it was very difficult. I think the hardest part was because I was like one of the only new guys. With me, um, uh, uh, uh was name? Uh, shoot, I can't remember. Uh, it was, like me and two other guys. I forgot who else was new. there. Larue uh, mm-hmm. was there. Um, Keith Booth. Uh, so it was like three or four new guys that, um, that had to, Joe Klein. We had to learn the offense, but at the same time, you're learning the offense, playing with the best team in the in the in the world. Three t- Two-time champions before you got there. They won six out of a five out of the last seven to eight championships. So, like, you don't want – and you don't want to hurt Michael. So you're always a step behind trying to learn the offense because they're already on the same page, all those guys are ready. They know that um, every – in and out – and all the ins and outs of the offense. You're trying to be perfect, and you're not being a player. You're not being you as an athlete and player right, right away until you learn the offense and get on, got on the same page. So. Did,
0: you get, did you get goosebumps?
1: during the Bulls' starting lineup? I, <laughs> no, I think I, I think I got, I think, I think the hype that part why I got was when we ran on the court when Randy Brown was, would ask, what time is it? What do you got? what time is it? I think, because that, that, once he stepped on that court, once, once he did that, you knew you were running on the court and it was game time and everybody, we were, you better be ready to play. Do you know what I'm saying? I think that was when your time he got goosebumps. I think it's so crazy when I look at the Bulls and I look at comparatively
0: to how you look at NBA games now and teams is handshakes are so
1: coordinated. Yes, yes. You guys just did what time is it, game time? Woo and ran on the court. Yep. Yeah. It's it's the things are a show now. Um brands <laughs> guys' brands are things are a show. So I mean back then it better bring it. That's the bottom line, you better bring it. Scoop B Radio